It's February 19th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and we are going back to the book of Leviticus. Fun fact for you, Leviticus, um, in its original language, was called Vyrica, which is a much better name, right? Like Leviticus. That sounds boring. But Vyrica, that's the kind of book I want to uh, I want to read. And uh, this can be a boring book if you um, you don't understand the context of it and you don't realize what it was. And, and this is God's actual instruction to his people uh, as they set up a brand new community. And a lot of it sounds odd or weird to us. And that's because he's writing uh, to uh, an ancient people in a world that has nothing of the values of God. And so we take a lot of uh, the things we read in Leviticus for granted. And that's because of the ethic that God created through Leviticus and then fulfilled in Jesus. And so a lot of the things like love your enemies and, and the way we treat the outsiders and the foreigners among us, the, the stance we have on uh, the life of everybody that matters, all of these things uh, for the very first time are being expressed here in Leviticus. And so it can seem like, man, this is weird, or some of it can even seem like that seems dark or unchristian like, but you have to realize it's written in, the, in a context and a culture that had never seen anything like this. And uh, this book is special, and um, we ought to read it that way. Just like it. Uh, I was reading a Charles Spurgeon sermon, and uh, it, it spoke of uh, when we don't understand God's word, we should read it as if our father has sent us a letter that we don't understand. If, you're, if your dad sends you a letter, you're going you're gonna to read it and reread it and reread it until you understand it because it's your dad and you want to understand it. Well, your heavenly father has uh, written this book, and everything is in here on purpose, for purpose, and everything can tell us something about who God is, uh, what he has done who he's made us to be and what we are to do, even the Old Testament. So as we read these verses, just pray that you would come to them with an open mind and an attentive ear. Work hard to listen and you will hear. By the measure you use, the measure will be given to you, Jesus says. So Leviticus chapter 7, verse 28 through chapter 9, verse 6. Leviticus 7, starting in verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present a peace offering to the Lord... Bring part of it as a gift to the Lord. Present it to the Lord with your own hands as a special gift to the Lord. Bring the fat of the animal together with the breast and lift up the breast as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will burn the fat on the altar. But the breast will belong to Aaron and his descendants. Give the right thigh of your peace offering to the priest as a gift. The right thigh must always be given to the priest who offers the blood and the fat for the peace offering. For I have reserved the breast of the special offering and the right thigh of the sacred offering for the priest. It is the permanent right of Aaron and his descendants to share in the peace offerings brought by the people of Israel. This is their rightful share. The special gifts presented to the Lord have been reserved for Aaron and his descendants from the time they were set apart to serve the Lord as priests. On the day they were anointed, the Lord commanded the Israelites to give these portions to the priest as their permanent share from generation to generation. These are the instructions for the burnt offerings, the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, as well as the ordination offering and the peace offering. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai when he commanded the Israelites to present their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Then the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons along with their sacred garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket of bread made without yeast, and call the entire community of Israel together at the entrance of the tabernacle. So Moses followed the Lord's instructions, and the whole community assembled at the tabernacle entrance. Moses announced to them, This is what the Lord has commanded us to do. Then he presented Aaron and his sons, and washed them with water. He put the official tunic on Aaron, and tied the sash around his waist. He dressed him in the robe, placed the ephod on him, 
and attached the ephod securely with its decorative sash. Then Moses placed the chest piece on Aaron and put the Urim and the Thurman inside it. He placed the turban on Aaron's head and attached the gold medallion, the badge of holiness, to the front of the turban, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, making them holy. He sprinkled the oil on the altar seven times, anointing it and all its utensils, as well as the wash basin and its stand, making them holy. Then he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head, anointing him and making him holy for his work. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons. He clothed them in their tunics, tied their sashes around them, and put their special head coverings on them, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses presented the bull for the sin offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the bull's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Moses took some of the blood with his finger, and he put it on the four horns of the altar to purify it. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Through this process, he made the altar holy by purifying it. Then Moses took all the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat around them, and he burned it all on the altar. He took the rest of the bull, including its hide, meat, and dung, and burned it on a fire outside the camp, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses presented the ram for the burnt offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took the ram's blood and splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he cut the ram into pieces, and he burned the head, some of its pieces, and the fat on the altar. After washing the internal organs and the legs with water, Moses burned the entire ram on the altar as a burnt offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. Then Moses presented the other ram, which was the ram of ordination. Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the ram's head, and Moses slaughtered it. Then Moses took some of its blood and applied it to the lobe of Aaron's right ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot. Next, Moses presented Aaron's sons and applied some of the blood to the lobes of their right ear, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. He then splattered the rest of the blood against all sides of the altar. Next, Moses took the fat, including the fat of the broad tail, the fat around the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat around them, along with the right thigh. On top of these, he placed a thin cake of bread made without yeast, a cake of bread mixed with olive oil, and a wafer spread with olive oil. All these were taken from the basket of bread made without yeast that was placed in the Lord's presence. He put all these in the hands of Aaron and his sons, and he lifted these gifts as special offering to the Lord. Moses took all the offerings back from them and burned them on the altar on top of the burnt offering. This was the ordination offering. It was a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. Then Moses took the breast and lifted it up as a special offering to the Lord. This was Moses' Moses's portion of the ram of ordination, just as the Lord had commanded him. Next, Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar, and he sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. In this way, he made Aaron and his sons and their garments holy. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the remaining meat of the offerings at the tabernacle entrance and eat it there, along with the bread that is in the basket of offerings for the ordination, just as I commanded when I said, Aaron and his sons will eat it. Any meat or bread that is left over must be then burned up. You must not leave the tabernacle entrance for seven days, for that is when the ordination ceremony will be completed. Everything we have done today was commanded by the Lord in order to purify you, making you right with him. Now stay at the entrance of the tabernacle day and night for seven days and do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die, for this is what the Lord has commanded. 
So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord had commanded through Moses. After the ordination ceremony on the eighth day, Moses called together Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, Take a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defects, and present them to the Lord. Then tell the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, and take a calf and a lamb, both a year old, without defects, for a burnt offering. Also take a bull and a ram for a peace offering, and flour moistened with olive oil for a grain offering. Present all these offerings to the Lord, because the Lord will appear to you today. So the people presented all these things at the entrance of, of the tabernacle, just as Moses had commanded. Then the whole community came forward and stood before the Lord, and Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. That concludes our Old Testament reading. And I hope you can see in that last verse why this is so beautiful and so important. All of this, all of this work, all of this purifying was so that the Lord would be able, if they did it, so that the, the Lord was going to appear to them. The glory of the Lord may appear to you if you do all these things. I know what I just said there made no sense, my sentence. I'm going to just read the verse instead of trying to convolute it. This is what the Lord has commanded you to do so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. The reason God requires all this is because he wants to see his people. He wants to have a relationship with his people. If you thought you had to follow all this to have relationship and to see the glory of God, to have relationship with the ground of all being, then yes, of course, these words would not be boring to you. You would want to look at every single letter and follow them. And you might say, why do we have to go through all this? Well, because we have to be pure. Um, uh, up a, a little bit earlier in our reading, it says, if you fail to do this, you will die, for this is what the Lord has commanded. So when the Lord commands something, it commands us to life. And if we do what he doesn't command, it leads to death. The Lord cannot be in the presence of sin because sin leads to death. And sin is an enemy of what God wants, which is life. You are an enemy of God if you are a sinner. Uh, you, and, and, and by the way, I'm not condemning you because we're all already condemned. We stand condemned, all of us, from Mother Teresa to Blake Farley to Adolf Hitler to Stalin. We're all condemned. In between, wherever you are on the spectrum, you're condemned. And you cannot stand before a holy God condemned. You will die. Uh, so what we can do is we can try to follow the Levitical law uh, as laid out here, which we find out in all of Scripture doesn't work. People can't do it. It's too hard. It's too heavy of a yoke, too heavy of a burden. And it's not like God failed by giving the law. No, he wanted to lead us to that point because then at that point we have faith in him and trust in him. And God has always made a way for his sinful people to have relationship with him. In the Old Testament, he did it through sacrifice, through the animals. Uh, and the animals never really did take away the blood we learned, in the, or never did take away the uh, the um, sin, never atoned for it. We learned that in the New Testament. It was a symbol of what would come and ultimately take away the sin of humanity, and that is Jesus Christ who comes, and he is the ultimate sacrificial lamb. He pours out his blood, his righteous uh, burnt offering, and it had Jesus' uh, offering sacrifice had no defects, and he presented himself to the Lord uh, so that you and I, might be able to appear in the presence of the glory of the Lord. Uh, amazing, amazing truth that through Jesus Christ, through faith in him, we are justified. In other words, we get to stand before God. We are made right with God based upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is the gospel, my friends, the good news. And it, it goes on beyond that because not only does the glory of the Lord appear to us, his Holy Spirit resides within us and empowers us for life. And one day we await the day in which Sin uh, has completely been eliminated. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved right now from the power of sin. And one day we will be saved completely from the presence of sin. Completely and totally under the rule and reign of God. And can you imagine how wonderful that's going to be when God's glory is everywhere? Yes. Moving on to our New Testament reading. Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through chapter 4, verse 25. As always, the New Living Translation. 
Mark 3, verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. Since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the disciples, and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will understand nothing. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that is that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a 100 times as much as had been planted. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That concludes our New Testament reading, and uh, I'm trying not to talk too much today. Sometimes I, I'm really chatty and uh, really get a lot out of the scriptures, and sometimes I just kind of read them to you because I think that's um, you know that's, that's normative in our scripture reading. We just we show up day in and day out, and sometimes God really speaks to us, and other times um, it's it's not as clear. But we just keep the habit; we keep coming back to the Word of God because it has life for us. And um, just as I was reading this, um, you know, I, I used to uh, really stumble over the fact that. Uh, Jesus says, um, you know, I, I, I don't want, they won't see what I, they'll see and learn nothing. They'll hear, but not understand. Otherwise they will turn to me and be forgiven. And I thought, man, that's odd that Jesus would not want them to be forgiven. But it, as you read on, you read the, the second parable, which is uh, about a light on a lamp. You see that Jesus 
uh, wants the word out. It's it's very visible. He wants it to hear. And then we I think we get the the point of it at the end there. And he says, the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And those who don't listen, uh, what they have will be taken away from them. That that really the people they don't want to hear. The parable is there. It's clear. It's in sight. Jesus is preaching his gospel for anybody to repent and believe to. But there are some people who don't, who don't want the gospel message to be true because it will radically change everything about their life. They will have to repent. They'll have to turn from their religion. They'll have to turn from their money, from their possessions, from whatever it is. And they don't want to turn from it, and so they don't listen. They're not trying to listen. And Jesus says, for those people, even, even what they hear will be taken from them. And we all know people like that. Uh, if you're a Christian uh, who, who don't want to listen. And I would just say, if you're not a Christian listening to this Bible podcast and, and you're just listening through and you just want to hear the words and you're like, I wish this guy would quit preaching and be quiet so I could just hear the words, I would just, I would say thank you for listening for one. And number two, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. If you come for it looking for uh, for reasons why you uh, don't believe, you will probably find those reasons. If you come to it with an open heart and open mind wondering, is this Jesus guy truly the savior of the world? Is he who he says he is? I believe you will find the answer to that question. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. And finally, we will be reading the 37th Psalm, verses 12 to 29, in a posture of prayer. This is Psalm 37, verses 12 through 29. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees the day of judgment coming. O God, we know that the wicked will not get away from your judgment. Lord, I pray that we would uh, live with urgency as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, we would worship in light that our judgment has been taken care of on the cross of Calvary for those of us who trust in Christ. Continuing on. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Lord, thank you that you care for the oppressed and the poor. Thank you that you stand up for them. Thank you that those who do evil, although it may not seem like it, it may seem like they get away with evil, Lord, we know that they eventually will face your judgment and your just righteousness. Continuing on. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich, for the strength of the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times, even in famine. They will have more than enough, but the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. God, I just, as I read that the verses there, I just, I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful that, that because of Jesus, that counts for me. I do pray that you would direct my steps so that I might be godly. Lord, what, what amazement it is that the God who created the universe delights in every detail of my life. And Lord, thank you for the promise that though I may stumble, I will never fall because you hold me by the hand. Continuing on. Once I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will die. 
godly will possess the land and will live there forever. You are the great provider, God. And when we believe that, it leads to a heart of generosity. I pray that today, the Christians, the Christ followers listening to my voice would be so overcome with the generosity found in your word that you are the one who gave us the just sacrifice. You are the one who blesses and provides for us in all ways. You are the one who's given us the Holy Spirit to guide us through life. Lord, we would be able to take that same generosity you show us and pour it out to those around us. And when they ask us why, we could point them back to the one true giver, the King of all kings, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. Uh, a little bit longer. Sometimes that happens. I get excited. Uh, but I hope you'll join me back here tomorrow. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the text as well. And we will see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.